Hello and welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern day business leaders who share their own stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Gustavo Montes de Oca, core team member at Protein, where people and ideas have been nurtured for over 20 years. I've been combining enterprise and impact for the last decade and a bit, during which time I've been fascinated by the solutions people come up with to the wide range of challenges facing us, as well as by the people themselves. In season five of Protein's Stories of Growth, we've been moving into the world of Web3 and speaking to people who are putting communities first in order to manifest a more equitable and decentralized future. For episode 37, we're spotlighting Jesse Baker, MBE, founder of Provenance, a global leader in sustainable marketing technology and supply chain transparency, helping citizens drive progress through their purchases. So today we're going to follow the usual stories format. You will notice that I am not your usual host. Uh, you're used to flying with Will. I'm Gus, also on the core team. And the usual format is we do the inner and outer growth of people and ideas. So we're going to start with provenance, the idea, the project, and then see if we can learn a bit about the person, Jesse. We'll probably cover things like provenance, good growth, Web3, brands, ownership, integrity, and citizenship. So before we kick off, Jesse, welcome. It's good Thanks, to have Gus. you here. Thanks, Gus. Good to be with you at a virtual party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be fair, it was probably not dissimilar music last time we partied. You know what? Yeah, it's coming around again, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And somebody mentioned in the Discord today that Beyonce's new track is a house tune. So yeah, yeah. we're catching, <laughs> catching up with ourselves. Absolutely. Well, great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me for a chat. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, and, and, and really it's because we're all looking into the same area of how do we make the world a better place. And, um, you know, so I went to I went to look at your website to find the TLDR. And what I found was, quotes, Providence is the global leader in sustainability marketing technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but to my mind, and this might be like my naive bias, but it feels that that's selling provenance short, or perhaps kind of more accurately, it's selling yourself to a particular audience. Um, to, to my mind, it feels like your ambition is wider than, than marketing and, and, and the selling side of, of, of things. So, you know, if you're not focused on grabbing, um, you know, th- that particular user group who are your know, user base, how would you describe pro- provenance here? Where the crowd are future-oriented, creative, proactive, positive impact-focused bunch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think um, our website tries to make it simple for our customers to understand what we do, which is uh, we work with consumer goods brands, but we exist for a much bigger reason. Um, And that we really feel we need to empower citizens to make better buying decisions uh, when they choose what products to buy um, so that we can actually drive a future where um, buying a product is a positive thing for people and planet, unlike today, where sadly it's not always the case. Um, but yeah, our, our, our vision is very much one uh, where every citizen is able to make a, a, a positive purchase for people and planet if they want to. Um, indeed, we do encourage people to buy less and buy better. Um, And our mission is really about transparency. How can we get the information out there? How can we make it easy to understand what the social and environmental impact of a product is in a way that's that's trustworthy and not greenwash? Yeah. 
And, and you know that that's that's what's super appealing. And I mean, there's just one little uh, question here that it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about consumers versus citizens. And you said in other places where you think that, or you you write that um, our purchases are our vote. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting, you know, because our votes actually happen fairly infrequently, whereas our purchases happen a lot. Absolutely. And I mean, that was a big motivator for me starting Provenance. Um, yeah, we vote very rarely. Um, and, you know, we, I believe every citizen has a right to shape the future of the planet and society. Uh, and I think we are doing that, and albeit quite unconsciously right now, through the services and products we choose to support um, with our money. Um, and, you know, like I was at a conference last week and um, the wonderful Tessa, the founder of Olio, uh, shared a quote, which was, you know, it was, it was a, a, a billion small decisions and actions that got us into the climate crisis. And it's a billion small actions that will get it, get us out of it. Uh, and, and the reality is our consumer products are 60% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So not insignificant. Yet today, it's very difficult to find trustworthy information on what types of, of products and brands to support. So that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and I, and I guess for me the interesting thing is there, like I guess, it, or, or or a challenge perhaps would be around um, whether consumption is enough, whether conscious consumption is sufficient to, to to qualify you as a citizen. Yeah, I mean, definitely not. I mean, I think, I mean, the, the key thing is is first of all is we need to consume less, and I think that's inc an incredibly important message that we try to share at Provenance. But if we are going to buy products, and reality is, you know, we have to eat and. You know, it's probably socially acceptable for us to wear a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> not in this weather. Uh, well, maybe not, actually. Hey, um, it, it is pretty hot in London right now. Uh, but yeah, you know, like g given that there is uh, the, the occasional need to buy some stuff, um, you know, can we make those purchases, you know, actually have a positive um, impact on people and planet and how do we equip people to do that? But I think being a citizen is so much bigger than that. It's not just about what you buy. And in fact, what you buy is like the last thing um, there's so many other actions you can take in your life uh, to, yeah, put society and the planet ahead of your own needs. But we're just tackling one small piece of the puzzle. Mm. And you talk about having a positive impact. And, um, you know, in your uh, LinkedIn article, I think, I can't remember when you wrote it, but you, you, you asked this question, which is, is there a right kind of large scale growth? <laughs> um. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, it's, I think it's something we grapple with at Provenance a lot because, yeah, the, the reality is, you know, we are working with, with brands that are selling products. Uh, we're helping them be more transparent in a, in a way that, uh, you know, eliminates green. Well, firstly, it makes them more transparent, which is great, makes sustainability mm -hmm. part of how we talk about products, which I think is very important to changing culture. But also we do, we do that in a way that's, that's trustworthy. But at the end of the day, um, you know, com companies selling products, are, they're chasing growth, growth above all, all else. And um, I do think there needs to be a, a substantial change in that. And yeah, it's definitely been something we've, we've really struggled with at Provenance over the years. Like, how do we, we are part of this, we're choosing to be part of the system and try and change it from within. But yeah, I, I'm also like really interested in kind of more radical ways that we can think about um, cha changing uh, the system as well and, and kind of changing our idea of, you know, what growth should look like. Mm. You, you got a little sense of what some of those radical ideas might, <laughs> might look like? That, 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 well, that sounds like you know, an interesting... 
maybe it's going a bit into sort of my background and story but you know I started Provenance as a side project um and it was it was a, a you know an evening weekend project that I was kind of noodling around with in 2013 um and I was doing a PhD so you know how's that for lofty and philosophical um so my PhD was in computer science and I was looking specifically at cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and their potential uh for social good so looking at whether we, you know, maybe this is a bit bit heavy for a, a, a sunny a sunny evening, but, you know, I do think there's a lot of potential for Web3 and, and a lot of these new technologies we're seeing to help rewire capitalism a little bit, maybe not completely, um, for, for good. Trying to put people um, at the center, uh, stakeholders rather than shareholders, um, and actually just bringing a little bit more equality to how we make decisions, which could create quite different engines of growth, I think, to, to what we have today in our kind of capitalist society. Yeah, and I think you're right. The, the, the exciting bit about Web3 is that it seems to create almost like new structures that you can deploy and th that we're testing. And I'd love to go more into like history of noodling around, Jesse, but maybe in the second <laughs> half. Um, but I think in that same article where you ask about the large, the right kind of large scale growth, you went on to say, but also there's a role in scaling more sustainable solutions to challenge the existing organizations. Absolutely. And I think we're really seeing that already. Like the reality is all of the technological solutions that we need to solve the climate crisis, to solve inequality globally, they already exist. It's not, you don't need to, to imagine something fantastical. They already exist. The equipment's all there. It's just adoption. So, and I think there's quite a few different uh, motivators for adoption you know unfortunately it's usually a big stick which is like regulation that works but we know there's a lot we can do ahead of regulation catching up for what we need to protect people and planet so that yeah that's really where provenance sits is, is trying to help um, companies to adopt new ways of working more sustainable practices and even going beyond sustainability to be regenerative um, by making that work for them for their bottom line essentially, like a, a lot of sustainability initiatives are uh, really seen as a cost and a risk. And we actually see sustainability as, as an opportunity for, for, for brands to win in the market and take market share from other brands by showing off uh, what they're doing. And so that's, that's very much our philosophy of provenance. Like, how do we, how do we shift large and small players to investing more mm -hmm. and more in sustainability, even if it's for the, the, uh, the, the dynamics of today's market rather than a, a different future? Yeah. And is there is there a difference for 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 provenance when you're working with, you know, either the the kind of the big incumbents who are effectively you're helping transition, or versus the the smaller, more sustainable, sort of the smaller scale solutions that emerge to challenge? Yeah, there is a little bit. I'd say a lot of our early adopter customers have been the smaller kind of born good brands that have something to say. Um, and you have to remember, you know, even in the space we're in, we are just a part of the, the solution. So yeah. um, enabling a sustainable brand requires lots of uh, different types of technologies to be deployed along the supply chain, different measurement tools. And, and Provenance's role is really about taking the information from those internal systems um, and third parties and then bringing that into the public domain. So making that information transparent. So we see very different types of technologies and systems being deployed in, in, diff in different brands. Um, and then, yeah, some, some of the brands that are kind of born good and, and maybe smaller might have designed their supply chains with sustainability in mind versus some of the larger brands which are kind of rapidly trying to shift to more sustainable practices. 
Um, but we're seeing big impact changes across both. In fact, some of the larger brands, it, it's quite surprising. You know, when they when they make a, a change in, in, in their supply chains, because the scale is so much bigger, the impact is so, so, so much greater. So I think impact to be made um, in both customer types. But essentially, provenance, the way provenance works is it's just a software um, service. So essentially, brands join um, and they use provenance to essentially manage the workflow of getting information from inside the organization and from third parties into the public domain. So in, into um, websites, e-commerce, search, all the places that they need to be in order for um, for brands to be discovered by their sustainability credentials. You, you mentioned there that how bigger organizations can change really fast and that the impact is massive when they do. Um, but I have a question not just about their kind of or their, their perceived slowness to move on sustainability or regeneration, but you know, in this Web3 world, how are those, you know, how are your different customers? responding to the notion of, of, of blockchain? Is that something that attracts them, repels them? What's their disposition there? Yeah, I mean, so, we, I mean, since 2013, we've been through quite a few different waves of um, perception on blockchain technology. I'd say uh, at the beginning, when I started Provenance as a side project, I was doing a PhD in 2013. I think there was zero interest in blockchain technology from any brands, really. Uh, a lot of the work I was doing was very experimental. It was grant funded. Yeah, I am very, very limited interest apart from some some real nerds on the, the, the outskirts. Um, and then I think kind of 2016, 2017, there definitely became a lot more interest. Like we, we saw big businesses coming into the space, you know, uh, and definitely looking looking at very similar things to, 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 to what we were looking at. So, you know, we were looking at how can this technology enable more transparency, can enable more trust on sustainability information. And we saw, you know, big initiatives from things like IBM um, come into the space using blockchain tech, albeit in quite a different way, um, to, 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 with very similar goals. And then people started taking our calls um, and actually wanting to talk to us about this technology. Um, and it was great because we were seen as a leader. We've been doing it for quite some time. We've done some of the first experiments. Um, so we had results. We could share how things could work. Um, and I think, you know, that, that was a heyday for, for, for blockchain tech. You know, we had all the ICOs of 2017, you know, millions, if not billions raised. I mean, there was, there was definitely a huge buzz, buzz around blockchain tech then. But I think we had a bit of a realization around 2017 when we saw a lot of big uh, kind of raises and but built off the back of maybe quite flawed communities um that actually it was just it was a lot of hype uh, and so we we kind of recoiled a little bit rather than we made it we were at a crossroads we either had to do an ico and just lap up the hype like all of the other bros or kind of recoil and kind of reconsider like how we were presenting this technology we actually decided to recoil and actually put blockchain behind the scenes like we don't talk about it very much anymore because we realized a lot of people were coming to us just because of that and actually, the reality is that's not what we want. We're trying to solve a problem. We're trying to bring more transparency that's trustworthy to uh, consumer products. Um, that's our job, not to deploy blockchain technology. So what we actually did is put blockchain tech in our back pocket, and we didn't really talk about it for, for a while. Um, and but, it, but it's been great because we've got to continue conversations with our customers, which has been fantastic. And I think, you know, there was a few years where it was just, like, not very interesting, but then we had the big kind of nft explosion and i think finally brands started to get that this is really part of their a transformational part of their future um and so yeah the past year or so 
we've been having some great discussions, um, you know, with teams inside large and small brands that are actually dedicated to looking at Web3 and its potential um, for brands in, in a larger sense. And they're, they're not just looking at it from a sustainability point of view, but, you know, finally, there's a maturity, I'd say, inside our, our brand customers um, so that we've kind of got someone to interface with <laughs> that makes sense. But in the meantime, we've just been cracking on and building a business, building a community, um, solving a problem. And that technology is very much used in the background um, to, to power our, our product. Um, I can go into that in a bit more detail later, but yeah, essentially it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, web three roller coaster. Yeah. I love that there's a finally maturity within brand customers. Like the grownups arrived, the grownups were already there. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the party. But, but there is like, it's crazy. Like, I mean, honestly, you know, a few years ago, blockchain tech was an innovation thing. It wasn't really, you know, something we were dabbling with, maybe doing some pilots. But, you know, now now there's a lot more education. Like marketing teams are really seriously thinking about the potential of Web3 and how they promote their brands. You know, I, I'm seeing whole teams inside large brand groups that are looking at gaming and metaverse and, you know, tokens. Uh, like quite seriously, it's not like a side project. This is like the marketing strategy. And and is the marketing part, because I guess the marketing is almost a Trojan horse, right? Yeah, it, it is a little bit. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's quite an important part of it, though. Uh, how we choose to decide what products to buy is very much a function of marketing. Um, mm. And so, you know, we see our, you know, we see ourselves as disrupting that industry. Gotcha. And, and, and almost like... Um, making the voice of the customers louder within the organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, a big part of what we're about is transparency. Like we really believe the future of brands is glass boxes. You should be able to see exactly the social environmental impact of the brands and products you're buying. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I really passionately believe we have a right to know, like we're at the end of yeah. the supply chain. We're buying this thing. It's our money that's causing this entire, uh, you know, complex web of people and places to exist in the first place. So I really think we have the right to know what that looks like and, and how people people and places are being treated along the process of creating the product that ultimately, at the end of the day, we are we are buying. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is that does mean, uh, yeah, it means a lot of empowerment. <laughs> it means teams having a culture shift to thinking about brands in a different way. Like it's a very different ethos to the Mad Men era of hiding behind an advert with a perfection on it, um, to thinking about a brand being a living, breathing kind of community that's that's really very open. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've got some children coming home from school excited in the background. Um, Do they want to join, the, like, join the chat? <laughs> they want to join the chat. Guys, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. We're protecting Sorry. your future. <laughs> yeah. um, I just wanted to talk about some of those experiments from the uh, the heyday of the ICOs. So, so yeah. when, when, when I first met you and came across Provenance, uh, you were working on tracking tuna. Yes, I think. And, exactly. And it was actually, yes. so, so reading that paper and hearing you talk about it, unlocked some understanding about the possibilities to the point where I started writing a series of short stories called Love on the Blocks. <laughs> where where um, it was about people who met and fell in love as a result of some sort of a interaction with the blockchain. And the, the fish one was um, a couple who met through a future traceability fish app. You know, there's a family somewhere in the Pacific who took out a loan against guaranteed sales of fish. 
on the other side, a world startup sushi bar getting ready for big launch, but a climate protest disrupts the chain as the fish is traveling through Barcelona, threatening, you know, the sushi shop has committed its funds, the fishing family needs to complete on their loans. But, you know, this restaurant van in Barcelona is able to see that there's a stuck shipment in the middle and they pivot their menu for a week, just take up all that fish. Um, the whole thing keeps flowing. And the young waiter looking over the shoulder of a diner who is checking the provenance of their tuna steak catches a glimpse of his soon-to-be loved one in the background of, like, the fishing page's profile. Oh, my um, God. How have I not heard this story? This is amazing. <laughs> because it's lost on a hard drive and somewhere. I, I, I spent quite a while today seeing if I could dig it out, but I, I, yeah. I couldn't find it. Oh, um, okay. But, you know, I'm excited so that, to read that story. I'm, yeah, glad, just, I'm glad that, that was there was some inspiration there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it was really like, it was this, like, not just a glass box company, but it was a glass box everything, right, that made that possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then I feel, yeah. yeah, but then I feel like, so that was where you guys kind of set that experiment up, I think. And then things didn't quite work out that way. You know, you, you found a, you, you found your way to a great new place. But can you talk us through that journey? Yeah, d- definitely. So I, I think when I first started Provenance, I, and I think it's quite an important uh, attribute of founders, it's definitely had a very healthy dose of naivety. Um, and I thought, OK, well, we need to know where products come from. We need to know the impact they have. And that needs to be transparent to the consumer. So basically embarked on, you know, an, an insane project, really, which was all about, how do we trace the product all the way back to source? How do we assure the impact it source? So, you know, ensuring this fish is slavery free and that it was caught in a way that protects, um, you know, other species in, in the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then how do we uh, communicate that information to, to the shopper in a way that they can trust? So, you know, big, big remit. Uh, what I've now realized is probably the remit for probably about five different companies rather than one. Um, but we did. We, I mean, we actually did it, which is insane. Uh, literally kind of went to Indonesia, met with different fishing communities, um, collaborating with the Poland Lion Foundation. And we, uh, yeah, we did actually uh, track a fish uh, real time from Indonesia back to the UK and also to Japan um, using and in every stage of the supply chain. I can't remember how many stages there are off the top of my head, but it was probably about mm-hmm. eight, I think. Every single stage, the um, digital record that was stored on chain was transferred uh, from from uh, b- between buyer and seller at every single stage. So you had that kind of digital twin throughout the fish's history that was linked to um, RFID tags uh, and QR codes um, throughout various stages of the journey. So we learned a huge amount through doing this. And we actually did it for a few other products as well. We did it for fish in the UK, fish in Indonesia. Um, we did it for a handbag, a, 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 a jumper. Um, a few, a few other things, but it, it learned a huge amount and also had some amazing travel experiences um, through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> through, through doing this. You know, got, got to really see every single part of the journey. Um, but I think a big learning was, um, you know, philosophically, we were very interested in public blockchains. And it, 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 a blockchain that's open and inclusive and that anyone can be part of, uh, rather than a private chain, which, uh, you know, I think provides some interesting utility. I think private chains you know, consortium ledgers, or whatever you want to call them, um, you know, do pro- do provide some efficiencies and, and certainly do increase trust somewhat. Um, but I think the, the motivation that I certainly had was this kind of step change in 
trustworthiness that comes with a, a public uh, chain. And it turns out supply chains and public chains are pretty incompatible unless you can make a zero knowledge proof work. Because the reality is people don't want to put their entire production, all of their volumes onto a public blockchain. So the key thing we kind of had tried to figure out was can we prove the transactions moving through the chain, but without publishing volumes, which led to some quite complex uh, rabbit holes. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, it turned, out, it turned out to be very, very difficult to do. And we also realized, actually, there's an awful lot of data being gathered through this chain already. Some of it is, is, quite, is, is, is quite high quality and kind of possible to validate. And there's zero transparency. Like today, there was just, there was really no transparency at all. Like the, you, you couldn't even find out, you know, where, where the catch was coming from. So we realized that we were approaching the problem in a way too extreme way. Learned a huge amount, so no regrets, but we actually decided to focus our attention at provenance on the relationship between brand and shopper. So trying to, to look at that interface between those two very important parts of the supply chain, I'd say the most powerful parts of the supply chain, um, and looking at how do we gather information in a trustworthy way to then enable shoppers to be able to make better decisions based on trustworthy information. And so we, we've just focused our attention down on a smaller part of the chain, but we partner. So we partner a lot with other organizations that work in traceability. We partner with certifications, auditors, and then other technologies that are, that are able to verify um, different things in the supply chain. So I think we, we learned through that experience just how valuable partnerships can be and when they all line up um yeah. how you can move 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 very very quickly because with our tuna kind of pilot you know we were we were only going to be able to do like you know tens of products per year or something and you know in provenance now we're we're moving from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands um wow. yeah we'd never be able to have that kind of critical mass i think with that kind of extreme approach yeah it, I, I feel like part of the um obstacle with the critical mass is, is around the validation point isn't it or the very you know like once it's on the blockchain, it's whatever, immutable and stays true. But making sure that it gets on there in a way that is true in the first place. You know, and Klima just experienced this with some of the um, varieties of offset. And that still feels like a, a, a hurdle to overcome. Like, how do you make sure that what gets on there in the first place is true? And I'm guessing your partnerships is a way of, you know, making sure the people who are best placed to assess that are able to, to validate that. Yes, definitely. And I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a flaw of the blockchain really is, is the onboarding and off ramping onto chain. And that's where the mm -hmm. kind of really weak points are. Um, yeah. And I think it's just impossible for that to be fully solved by one party at this moment in time. That You have to collaborate with auditors that are sitting in the supply chain, that are checking things are legit, uh, have to collaborate with other data systems. And then I also think there's a huge amount of value in bringing different types of data together. So triangulating that information in order to really, um, you know, r rise the trustability um, of that. But it, it's certainly not a perfect system. I mean, the way we use um, blockchain tech now is essentially what we create a provenance is something called proof points. And proof points yeah. sit inside product pages. So essentially when you're shopping on the internet and you go on a product page, like you're looking at a product, um, you'll see power by provenance, like a little plug-in on the page, and the different proof points will be there. And essentially, the, what the proof points do is, is we connect to different data sources in order to validate different types of impact related to the product. Some of them are very easy. It's like, oh, connect to the fair trade database in order to say this product's fair trade. 
but some are much more complicated, um, like with carbon, where we have to connect to different parties that are measuring, different parties that are assuring, different parties that are offsetting in order to bring those data sets together to say that this product is net zero. Um, and so it's, it's a much simpler use of blockchain tech, but a lot more scalable at this moment in time, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a way around that, you know, onboarding and offboarding. So you just talked about proof points sitting inside product pages. Um, now, I hadn't realized until, you know, we were lining up this interview that I'm a bit of a Providence fanboy. Not only did I write a story about you, I also bought my wife a ring via a, a Providence, Powered by Providence um, awesome. jeweler. Jeweler, yeah, it's a Mobius yeah. trick. It's a, it's a perfectly closed loop. Um, but Beautiful. I, I, I then forgot who they were. So I went to the Providence webpage to find out. And yeah. by the way, this is a, this is a question validated by my research team or my the research team who is looking into how we might fit into the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And there, there's no directory there. What no, was the... there isn't. Yes, there is no directory on Providence currently. That is absolutely on our roadmap. Um, okay. Essentially, at the moment, the main way that you'll find Providence is through brand websites and through retailer websites. And it's merely a bandwidth thing that we haven't been able to, to surface this information direct on Providence.org. Um, but we absolutely will. It's, it's, it, will, it will come. I think it's um, at the moment, you know, we've been funneling most of our attention to making sure Providence is live, you know, with the, with the retailers, with the brands, because that's, that's where the shoppers are. Yeah. You know, of course, a minority might come to Providence direct, but... At the moment, the majority yeah. of people are, are, you know, are shopping with the retailers and brands. So that's that's where we surface our information. But yeah, we will be putting together a directory um, at some point. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those projects that's been on the back burner for a little while, and we just need to sort of press go and get it out there. Um, but yes, we we will, and 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 we're actually going to be making some quite big strides this year to try and connect directly with citizens and shoppers so that we can help drive the provenance community. We've been very focused B two B trying to really grow yeah. our community of brands. We've got almost 200 brands now, which is great. Um, and six kind of retailers, which is also great because they provide you know, a lot of uh, traction for the proof points. But now we need to also come over and build that shopper community as well and ensure that we really are kind of bringing together um, yeah, people to create change because people, and, and this is very much our web three direction as well. Um, you know, proof points are all blockchain backed so that they're trustworthy impact. But, you know, essentially what I've been working on, uh, you know, very much co-creation with our brands, with, with the shoppers um, in our community, is looking at how we build a token on top of that to incentivize people to buy more sustainable products. So really build a community that's incentivized to pick products that have provenance proof points and drive, uh, drive changes in purchasing behavior, essentially. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to get to that, wondering about who that community was and what the token was, because uh, I know that um, you know you wrote you wrote at one point about being zebras, 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 yes. depending on which side of the um, divide you're on, right? I, let's go with zebras for now. So, and then it you said that you know the the if you would I don't know if it was something like you wish that you had been aware that zebras was a possibility earlier rather than the kind of bro stoked unicorns forever um, vibe. And one of the, um, I can't remember, there was one of the, it was around resources, you know, you, um, and the, the, the difference in resources between, you know, the, the unicorn that they're hoarded and the zebra, you know, which is it's, it's a kind of a for good type. Maybe you can give us a summary of that in a second. Yeah. Um, but that the zebra 
um, you know, the unicorn startup lore is around resources that are hoarded versus zebras that are shared. And so my question tied to the tokens that you were just talking about was, is there, is there a plan to, um, yeah, to share, I don't know if it's the ownership or the stake or, 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 to, or to in some way incorporate those, I guess, more recently popular elements of, of, of the Web3 DAO vibes or, or anything like that into how you progress. Absolutely. I think that's essential to our future. Um, and yeah, and I think philosophically what we've always wanted to do from the beginning, like I definitely, um, yeah, I was definitely torn setting up provenance as to whether we should have been a cooperative or a not-for-profit or a, or a for-profit and, you know, various decisions along the way I decided it was better to start as a for-profit and then there's potential to, to kind of go the other way, but it might be difficult to go back. Um, and, you know, we've been a B, B Corp for a long time since the beginning, so making sure we've got, you know, some, some good impact um, written into our articles and how we operate, but I want to go much, much bigger than that. And I think, um, you know, we're very much a community um, of brands at the moment, and we're going to be extending that community to, to embrace more shoppers as well, more citizens, um, so they can be part of kind of co-creating provenance. But I really believe in these new ownership models. I don't know how practical they are, like, and it's fantastic to experiment, and I'm very excited by what what's being presented. But it, like the reality of of executing, I think, still still a bit uh, mm -hmm. in a test test and learn phase, I'd say. Um, but that's absolutely the direction we want to go with provenance. So we really feel that every single product should come with provenance and that provenance should be the kind of de facto way for you to understand the impact of a product. Um, it's the most trustworthy way for you to understand it. Um, and therefore, you know, we really want to incentivize the community to in encourage brands to be transparent with that method so they don't have to learn a new language every time they go shopping. Um, and yeah. to do that, we, we think a token makes the most sense. Um, but it's unlikely we'll be issuing a token soon. We're very much in kind of co-creation mode, making sure we can set up the governance in a way that works. You know, we've got agreement from all of our shareholders that, you know, a, 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 if a token event occurs, that they're happy with that and that they will be part of part of that founding group. Um, but we're, we're just really trying to work out the, the dynamics that makes the most sense. So does incentivize the brands to be part of the system. And it's quite difficult because we're working with lots of brands that are competitors with each other. So the, the yeah. common goal is sustainability, but lots of these brands are competitors. So, and lots of them are thinking about tokens in quite a myopic way. They're just thinking, you know, can I issue NFT versions of my own products and build my own brand community? They're not necessarily thinking about community as a, as an agent for change that's a cross brand, cross company. So there's a big education piece happening there and, and kind of thinking about the governance of how that works. And then, yeah, also embracing citizens. So we have to have our community to help people to find products with provenance and, um, and encourage brands to be transparent in that way. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, if, you know, if anyone's interested in kind of helping and, and noodling around with us as to what that could look like, we're, we're really keen. We're kind of hosting a few workshops this year. We've done a few in the past as well. Um, and we'll be putting out there kind of a, a, a bit more transparently um, what the latest thinking is. And um, we're usually pretty good at being very open. It's very much in our DNA. Uh, you know, all our um, kind of blockchain-based code is all open source. Um, our framework, which is how we enable brands to be transparent, all open source. And, and we'll definitely be putting out kind of the, the latest thinkings um, on the token in an open source way as well. Awesome. Looking forward to that. I mean, I, I love this use of noodling over 
what's become common parlance of jamming in 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 DAOs, like noodling. <laughs> <laughs> I far prefer the notion of noodling. And I think I'm going to ask, but I think I actually just you, you've answered the question, which is how can uh, you know in one of your other uh, writings you 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 quote. Oh, I can't find it right now. Would you quote somebody who says basically brands are super important because they're in mind space, they're in people's mm -hmm. minds. And so in a sense, I think your your notion of uniting brands around something like provenance or a token answers the question, which is how can we, you know, because given that it is, they are in mind space. Yes. How can we make sure that they're not polluting mind space, right? Like that is a precious resource that is being drawn upon more and more and more. And you know, even it feels like even the right people are going about it in a noisy sort of way, um, because yes. you know, if, so how 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 can brand act in a positive way? It's not just positive in terms of the 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 conduct and impact in the world, but in terms of how it treats the minds that it's going into. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that's a big challenge. I mean, I've definitely had a long-term fascination with brands. I, I mean, I think it's amazing that you can have functionally the same product, yet people pay a huge amount more for something that's branded. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, it, and, I, and I do think that brand value should be far more a function of the impact that that product has on people and planet um, than it is today. So that's absolutely our motivator. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's tricky. I, I think it's kind of happening naturally, albeit over quite a long period of time. Like, I think brands have already gone through a transition where they're no longer just like shouting outwards. They, they're in a, they're starting to get a little bit more conversational. Like, I think social media has forced them to do that and to, you know, work with collaborators that understand their audience and community and can have a conversation. I think it's still early days. I do think brands still are a bit shouty and projecty, um, but yeah. you can see that the kind of conversations and community building is, is coming around. Um, at least that's what marketeers tell you. And I've, you know, I've seen it a little bit through more kind of grassroots established brands or kind of smaller brands. Um, but I think that that trend's only going to accelerate. I, you know, at the end of the day, a brand is a community. It's people that have chosen to buy into an idea um, above, you know, over and above. And sometimes it's totally irrational. Like the functionality of the product is really no different um, than one yeah. that's a different brand. But you've, you're buying into a higher idea. Um, and I think the more brands can embrace the kind of more Web3 mindset, like decentralizing their brands, like co-creating with their fans and rewarding them, like actually giving them money and shares, rather than kind of mostly just exploiting them, um, the better. And I, I think that's kind of a lot of what brands are seeing Web3 is enabling, is being a platform mm -hmm. that they can kind of empower super fans with ownership rather than um, just exploit them um, yeah, yeah, their yeah, marketing. I see it. All right. I think we could talk about that for ages, but I'd love to get to know Jesse a little bit more. And in, in, in doing that, I, so another thing that's changed in the last however many years since... Um, we last met was you got an MBE. Now, for <laughs> listeners outside, for li listeners outside the UK, that means that the Queen of the UK airdropped a soul-bound token into Jesse's passport ID. <laughs> yep. Right? You got a you got a, a, a medal that says yeah. UK gas. Um, so, so you get the call for that tells you that, or or a raven knocks on your window and delivers a scroll. I don't know how that works. Yeah, it was a but, letter. Uh, I, I thought it was a prank. <laughs> 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 who who would have set you up for a prank like that? I don't know. 
phone. I just thought, like, one of my friends was <laughs> trying to, like, make me look like an idiot. I was like, I don't know. I, it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was a prank. But anyway, yeah, it yeah. happened. Got a letter. It and then that happens, and, and you, you realize it's not a prank. And you think, oh, wow, this is, like, the gratitude moment. Like, who, who, are, you, who are you thinking? What, what, what's, what's going through your mind in terms of, like, how I got here? Thanks for that. Oh, so much thanks. I, I mean, the big thing is just, you know, it's so, it's all a team sport, this stuff. Like, you, it's never the individual. And I, I've had so much help along the way and so many from just inspiring conversations with, you know, my team and, um, or just advisors or even just, you know, people you meet at a conference who throw you an amazing idea. Um, but also, I mean, now the reality of what we're building at Providence is it's the team, it's all the team. I think mm -hmm. it's uh, it's humbling to be around, you know, such a fantastic group of people that are so smart. They're amazing at working together, and it's 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 just incredible. Like you sprinkle a tiny bit of vision and kind of what what can happen with a relatively small group of people and what they can build and influence. I think it's absolutely amazing. So yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's it's a team team medal, <laughs> team <laughs> to, medal. Uh, awesome. to to Prov Providence team um because yeah it's it's a really tough problem to solve and you know we have managed to change the behavior of you know hundred, hundreds of brands to put sustainability kind of front and center in how they communicate and i think it, that is having a knock-on effect so um yeah it's been yeah. great to see what, what what our team can do and can't wait for the yeah. future just getting started i think <laughs> and then, you know the, the future's out there there's a genesis block somewhere in the depths of time where uh, Jesse's journey into <laughs> services to sustainability started. What what was that genesis block? Where did that get into? Um, I mean, definitely already always been interested in how products are made. I mean, I studied like engineering at uni, um, and so always been quite curious about supply chains and production and sort of how mm -hmm. how products come into being. And I think it's probably through that that really gained a sort of deep appreciation of sustainability my first job out of uni was actually for american apparel for those of you that are young you probably won't know but um it was a clothing <laughs> company based out of la um and they actually manufactured all of their clothing inside the us the only thing they outsourced was fedex they were growing cotton in texas you know they had dye houses in southern california and then a huge mm -hmm. factory in downtown la where i was working so, I, you know, I got to see a lot of the reality of production through that job um, and, and kind of various times, you know, through studying engineering as well. I got to visit lots of different supply chains. So I think that sparked my love of, of transparency and wanting to know more about the impact of products. And I, and I think just traveling in general, like I've been very fortunate to travel to lots of different places all over the world and see how people live and the yeah. impact that our, our products have on, on people's lives is really motivating. You say engineering, but you also did design at the same time and computer yeah. science. You know, so that's yeah, quite, did, quite did a little bit of studying, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like, yeah. just, just thinking about my kids, and that sounds like a fun trajectory. Like, where did that all come from? Were you a big Lego kid or a, a painter? Definitely or a big Lego kid. Yeah, definitely a big Lego kid. Quite a hybrid, though, like half kind of art um you know really loved like creating things and 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 drawing and then half kind of more maths and yeah a bit more lego-y I guess um yeah so it's quite like it, it's funny at school I was like very torn because they really wanted to put me in a box like you've either got to be a scientist or an artist you can't do both and I ended up yeah doing both like studying like design and art and like maths and physics um and actually I don't know I think that kind of hybrid setup is quite good for entrepreneurship. 
of her, and and in nature. Have you heard of hybrid vigor? No. Uh, so I'll hybrid it vigor. Is, yeah, it's basically the, the the idea that happens when you combine two different types of something, and then they're stronger than, yeah. than either of the original um, yeah. individual practices or, or techniques or, or, or genetics. Should be my tagline. So, <laughs> Hybrid vigor. Hybrid vigor. <laughs> it's, it's the name of another story I wrote, actually. So uh, I, you, you've inspired me with a story. If I inspire you with the tagline, that's all good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the school said be a scientist or an artist. And how did you, you figure that balance out? Was it just you or did you have people you relied on to say, hey, listen, these guys want me to go this way, but I want to go that way? Yeah, it was, it was difficult. I, I definitely was like very torn throughout my whole like childhood. And then even when it came to applying to university, I applied to like Central St. Martins to do like design and, you know, like uh, engineering school. So I was definitely like split all the way. <laughs> I decided to go and do engineering because I just thought it was probably a good foundation. And I don't know, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. But I'm glad I did. It definitely that kind of studying does set you up well I think you get to learn a lot of different things of how, how the world works um mm -hmm. but yeah I, I don't know yeah reading a lot of books I guess um yeah I'm not, I'm not sure it's kind of different it's, it's, it's hard to know <laughs> like how you actually felt at the time like hindsight is 2020 right <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know sometimes my hindsight doesn't see that clearly um yeah but you, you, talked, you talked about books there. So if you're going, if you get to leave us with a few um, book recommendations, either either yeah. either for your you know book recommendations for that torn self. I mean, the books that inspired me at the time, like sort of older books. I mean, there's probably different books I recommend now. Uh, so can do both. Like in yes, the time, I was quite I was quite inspired by like Anita Roddick's story. So like the founder of Body Shop. Um, her biography is like a really easy quick read um, and just yeah like how she just stories of people that create something from nothing um, I've always found like amazing and yeah I really liked her biography and now I listen quite a lot to how I built this with Guy Raz the um, podcast because it's the same it's just like stories of how entrepreneurs built businesses from from nothing and I always find that really inspiring and then on sustainability front I mean a couple of key books for me were like Cradle to Cradle uh, really taught me the idea of circularity which you know was relatively new to me when I first read that book and I think it's really well done I think it kind of pretty much stands the test of time I read a lot of books by Paul Hawken who I think sets out a vision for capitalism that's really positive and again like writes in a really easy read way <laughs> like I'm not the best reader I, I don't want to read you know I've, I've read some like friend <laughs> stuff in my life and I'm like okay I'm so glad with I'm done with that, but yeah, Paul Hawkins like very easy to read. Um, kind of sets out a lot of arguments that, yeah, might might be obvious to a lot of people now, but weren't really at the time. Um, but now I read more like leadership books and stuff like that. But I, also like Donut Economics is a great book. You know, it doesn't get talked about enough. I don't think. I think it's a really cool model for sustainability and just like that kind of thinking of, um, you know, how we should live within our planetary boundaries. Um, definitely shaped me as well. And I, I know that you were saying earlier that you sometimes get out to, to the countryside, right? You, you get to walk mm -hmm. around and touch grass. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. I love it when I'm out in the West Country. Yeah. Turns out I'm 
I'm not too far from you, right? Wiltshire, Wiltshire Massive. Yeah, yeah. You're not that far from us. Wiltshire Web3 is a, is a pretty small Venn diagram, as far as I can <laughs> I'm glad to be in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah maybe we can start a, a, a cabin's down, down here. Um, listen, so it's been awesome hearing from you and hearing about the trajectory since, um, you know, since, I guess, five, six years ago? Yeah. Um, but I think certainly you will have uh, interested, spiked people's interest, certainly with the idea of joining the community and, and you know, how you're going to web threeify and communityify uh, provenance. So if people are interested in finding out more, what's their best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, connect with me directly. So um, my DMs are open here on Twitter. So um, give me a follow and um, I'll follow you back and we can chat. Um, or on LinkedIn, um, just Jesse Baker on LinkedIn. Um, it's quite a good spot as well to, to have a chat. Um, yeah, probably those two channels are the best. Awesome. And if you had to recommend us for someone else to come and, you know, follow follow on from you, uh, it's always a hard act to follow, but who, who, who would you have come on the show and, and enlighten us further on uh, Web3, good growth, regeneration, the hybrid vigor, any of those? Yeah, I mean, I definitely love the, the fact that you're exploring different kind of Web3 communities. Um, yeah, I, I actually just got back from uh, Austin. I was there for Consensus. Um, okay. So I got to see a lot of, uh, you know, new projects and, and what's going on. And there's some really interesting, like, DAOs as part of that. Um, I really like there's one called Dream DAO, which is really yes. great. Um, I think they've been doing some really amazing work. I thought they could be quite a good guest on this, maybe. Yeah, um, we've, got, we've got a couple of Dream DAO interns. And I don't know if they're listening to us right now, but they're certainly um, uh, Jay He and Ethan have been behind the scenes yeah 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 well love yeah them. i mean the founder like or some of the team from there i think could be really good to have a conversation I, I really love the model i really hope it takes off um i think it's really essential that we kind of get young people involved in web3 and sustainability type initiatives so yeah i think that i think that could be a good conversation yeah amazing yeah i do love them um so it's been great thank you so much jesse and i really look forward to seeing uh, where providence goes next I'm definitely going to be following to see, you know, how I can get some of that um, co-creating the consumer stroke citizen action. Um, awesome. Oh, thank you, Gus. Yeah. And thank you, Protein Community. It's fantastic what you guys are building. And yeah, I'm really, really happy to, to be part of it. Yay, hybrid vigor. <laughs> hybrid vigor. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Have a nice evening.